Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Well, praise the Lord and God bless you today. This is Beatrice Bruno, the drill sergeant of life. Angie, before I even say anything about Robbie, I miss you more than she does. Oh, I'm are we going to do that? Saying. Are we going to do that? And I'm here with Robbie Yopes, my good friend. <laughs> And uh, Angie's favorite, Robbie Yobst. You know, it is, it's great to be here with you, Beatrice. And of course, we miss Angie. She's yes. off doing her thing. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, we, we, we're not going to say we're sub subbing for Angie because there's no way uh-uh. anyone can substitute She's one for of a Angie kind. Austin. She is one of the coolest chicks. And we're not saying that just because she's letting us do her show today. We're saying <laughs> it because it's true. She is absolutely. an awesome chick. She is a doll. And if you have never met her, boy, I, I feel sorry for you because she's just an absolute doll. She's one of the friendliest people yes. I've ever met in yes. my life. Yes. She doesn't know how to meet a stranger, no. you know? No, she does not. And, you know, we're here to do the good news for her. And, and Robbie, we got some really good news. Excellent. Yes, we do. I found a, we found a mom that's meaner than me. No way. Yes. No. Yes way. Meaner than the drill sergeant. Meaner than the drill sergeant of life. You're mm-hmm. kidding me. Okay. And we're going to hear a couple of clips. Is it one or two? It's just one. Just one. Let's hear this clip from this mean mom. Okay. The Dodge Ram parked at the end of Amy Adams' driveway. This is it. Is a teen dream. This truck definitely has character. Jacked up on 35-inch tires. It does take a certain kind of girl to drive a truck like this. <laughs> That girl was Amy's 15-year-old daughter. It shakes their house. Whose learner's permit will change to a driver's license just as her truck changes hands. She was on her one more chance and the truck was getting sold and she blew that one more chance on Monday when she decided to skip school. Fed up, Amy listed her daughter's truck on Craigslist to sell the pickup while advertising the punishment. I started that ad with, so because I'm the meanest mom in the world. The ad drips with sarcasm. But Amy says it's also drenched with truth. They all do this. Challenging the idea that parents should act as friends. Where are they going to be in life five years from now, ten years from now, when they're wandering around disrespecting the wrong people? Amy received over 400 responses to the ad. Over half of them were just other parents saying, hey, high five. To those who think she went too far, Amy says she knows exactly how her daughter feels. To my mom. I was short-tempered and I was snippy and I was obnoxious. The woman in these photos, to Amy, once was the meanest mom in the world. Amy's just glad she matured enough to thank her for it. The minute they diagnosed her as terminal, we had that conversation. Amy hopes one day her daughter will appreciate her tough parenting. I hope that she realizes that, you know, that it's okay to discipline your kids and it's okay to have expectations and it's okay for them to have consequences. And when she learns those lessons... Amy says the money made on this truck will one day buy her daughter a new car. Nice. Mm -mm. Wow. Okay. She's a mean mom. She is a little meaner than you, maybe. I don't know. Just a little bit, but you know what? I'm loving it. I really am. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I think that the mean Amy's mother Mm -hmm. has a point. I'm glad she did that. Mm -hmm. And um, and like me, like a lot of parents, will high five her. Will say, "Well done." Yes. But then. I have a 17-year-old son, and that moment that you have to do that to draw a line and be that mean 
is difficult, especially, well, for me, especially with my 17-year-old, who's my only son, because I want him to like me. Mm -hmm. And he, at this age, he spends very little time with me, period. Mm -hmm. So when he does, I want it to be pleasant and sweet, and I want us to love each other. So if I take that little bit of time to discipline him, Mm -hmm. it's just hard. And I, on the other hand, who have raised four children of of our own, my husband and mine, and um, helped raise three others um, that was staying with us when a friend got stationed down in Panama. I could care less whether they like me or not. (laughs) Let's just be honest about it. I don't care if my children like me. They don't have to like me. I'm the mama. Okay. I'm always going to be the mama. Well, then mama's like me. What do we do? Teach me. How do you be mean when you ju- you only have five minutes with your boy a day? Okay. Because he's in school, he's okay. doing his homework, he's with his friends, blah blah blah. So you have that five minutes, and you know, oh, he's got he needs to know that he shouldn't have done this. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy just to not say anything. It is. It really. What do is. I do? Well, you have to figure. You go back into your own childhood and look at those life lessons that you learned from growing up as a child. Okay, and those things that you were able to take with you that aren't to the extreme. Mm -hmm. Okay, yes, there are certain things that, you know, we let our kids get away with. But there are certain things that we don't. This young lady decided that she wanted to cut school. And her mom said, okay, you got one more thing. And she did that one more thing. And her mom said, okay, I'm going to show you that I was not playing with you. You know what I love about that, too, is that when she said one more thing, Mm -hmm. she meant one that's right more thing that's right too many of us parents um we uh, threaten with things that we're not going to follow through with mm-hmm. and not that I'm, I'm not a horrible mom i do discipline mm-hmm. noah and he's so far he's a good kid mm-hmm. but i know exactly that moment of oh i don't want i'm gonna have to be unpleasant i'm gonna have to be mean i'm gonna have, we're gonna he's gonna go to his room and sulk it's just the whole the whole house is gonna have that cloud over it been there done that i don't even care i don't even care i don't, I don't even that's, care that's that's the attitude i need I don't to even adopt care. i say like they say in st louis i don't even care i really don't <laughs> because at some point my child is going to look back on their life and say either I was able to do anything I wanted to do. It didn't matter to my mom or my dad. Or they're going to say, you know something, my mom did not allow me to do that. And I'm glad she didn't. That's right. To this day, and, I, and my kids are 40, 35, 32, and 24. And even now, um, EJ, my baby girl, she will say things like, Mommy, you know the belt of correction that you used to use on us? <laughs> she say, that stuff really worked. Excellent. I say, why do you say that? She said, because I think about stuff now. Before I make a decision to do something, I think about that belt of correction because that really got to me. When you told me not to do something and I didn't do it, but I saw somebody else do what the same thing that you told me not to do. I saw the consequences that they had. Right. When okay. I was growing up, my mom, uh, whenever she disciplined me, we'd ask her why. You know, like, why are you doing this? Why mm-hmm. are you doing this? She'd always say, well, M&R, because I'm mean and rotten. All right. I'm mean <laughs> and rotten. M&R. And that's all she had to say when we got older. It's like, why? M&R. M&R. And it's M&R. because I love you. 
that I mean in rotten. That's right. That's right. And so I'm not, you know, you look at some of the parents today, and I mean, th this isn't all parents. This is just some who want to be friends with their children. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't tell the difference between the children's behavior and the parents' behavior. Well, yeah. Now that I don't do. There's definitely a difference. And I know exactly what you're talking mm -hmm. about. I think, too, it has to do with having, I mean, th this may be a cop-out. It may be excuse. But I think it's different when you have one versus having, oh, yeah. you know, 20 or how many do you have? 25 or <laughs> oh, four. I was close. Thank you, Robbie. Yeah. Appreciate but that. But you have a lot of kids. I uh -huh. have one, mm -hmm. which I w grew up one of four. Okay. And I remember very distinctly, we would all be in the back of the LTD mm -hmm. driving to El Paso, mm -hmm. Texas, because we lived two hours away. And that's where we went to go get groceries. Oh, wow. And uh, so we'd be driving and we'd be fighting. Mm -hmm. And dad would say, stop. <laughs> or I'm going to pull this over. Oh, yes. Right? And so we'd have, you know, about five minutes of, of really good behavior. Mm -hmm. And then we'd do it again, all four of us. Mm -hmm. And we'd be, he didn't say a thing. We just felt the LTD going to the side of the freeway. And Whoa. then immediately we, we fell in love with each other. Uh. We promised each other our babies. <laughs> we'll do whatever you, we want. Oh, yeah. And it didn't matter. Oh, yeah. We would get out on the side of the freeway and line up, and Dad would give us a spanking. Oh, yeah. And I, today, wouldn't it be something if you saw that today? On the freeways, I would love it. Oh, it'd be would. great, but mm -hmm. they'd probably get arrested in this day. They probably time. would. I, I remember um, there was a time <laughs> when EJ was—I think she was in the second or the third grade—and she was a social animal. She loved talking in school, and you could, the teacher <laughs> could just barely stop her. Well, she got a bad grade, and I think it was math. And um, I told her the night before, <laughs> I said, "I tell you what, little girl." get another bad grade i will okay and some of you parents are probably going to call the civil liberties union i don't know or the, <laughs> somebody you're going to call somebody on me so go ahead and start dialing i told her, i said get one more bad grade i will beat the black off of you <laughs> well the next day I looked out the door Ooh, and I saw this little girl walking and I mean, she was just trudging her feet. She was like, I don't want to go to this house. <laughs> and she was crying. And I, I told my husband, Aww. I said, look, I said, there comes this baby girl right there. And I said, she crying. She dragging her feet. And by the time she got to the house, I said, child, what's wrong with you? You told me you were going to be the black off of me if I got another bad grade. And I said, yes, I did. But she had beaten herself before I could even get to her. You know, but the point of that is this, okay? I instilled something within my child. I'm not going to say fear, but she had a deep respect oh, that yeah. when mommy said she was going to do something, mommy's going to do it. I think so I better stand up and do what I'm supposed to do. I think fear is a fine word. Absolutely. <laughs> and my son does fear my husband. I wish... He feared me as much, but he doesn't. He fears my husband. So there's someone in our family that's keeping him aligned. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Well, this mother decided that she was going to take away her daughter's prized possession so she could get her to do what she wanted her to do. I love it. I, ha I have no problems with that. And, you that. know, another thing about what she did was that that probably, I mean, that took a lot of energy, oh, yeah. time, yeah. planning, and she did all of that so her daughter could learn a lesson. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, do we have time for that? Uh, the second clip that we were going to talk about? The we sure do. It's a great clip, too. Okay, but. great. Now, we're going to go to the other side of the spectrum. All right. I can't wait. This, this kid had to do something for himself, and I bet he has a great appreciation for life.
I'm just in total shock. Fred Barley is full of gratitude to those who think he is full of promise. 19 and homeless, he had no way to get back to Gordon State College in Georgia for his second semester. I didn't have a ride here. My little brother handed me a bike. Fred rode six hours in the summer heat so he could register early. But he had nowhere to live until his dorm room, covered by his college loans, opened in August. Police found him in this tent near campus. And I'm like, man, <laughs> this is crazy. Officers paid for two nights in a motel room. Then a good Samaritan helped him get a job at a pizza joint. He made it clear repeatedly that he just wanted to do this on his own. Next, the entire community rallied. A GoFundMe page raising more than $150,000 for him. Fred, who says his biological parents are not in the picture, promised to keep his grades up and save money for medical school. And he had this wish for the day he graduates. Hopefully when the day I graduate, all y'all are there. And I'm like waving to the crowd of y'all. I love you all. Mm. Oh, mm. oh my gosh, that's okay, wonderful. Okay, $150,000. That kid probably wishes he had a mean mom. <laughs> <laughs> You're right about that. But look at what he has had to accomplish, you know, so that he could go to medical school. That's incredible. Yes, it is. I not watch TV for six hours, let alone ride a bike that long. I know that's right. <laughs> that, I mean, that, that beats, in that Georgia heat, oh, I, I'm telling you, that. Humidity, oh, the humidity. Oh, my gosh. kill you. Just think what he had to go through just to get to. How many of us will actually persevere, Robbie, to get to a place that we really want to get to in life? It's very difficult. Yes. It's very difficult. Yes. And this kid, I mean, you know, he rode that bicycle for six hours. I'm, I'm like, Dave, I couldn't do it. I, re I couldn't ride the bicycle around the corner right now. I really couldn't. When I was in college, I rode the train for 40 minutes, and that was. Oh, like Lord. <laughs> And well, then you were complaining then, yeah, weren't you? Was, I sure <laughs> well, I walked through um, two miles of snow up, uphill both ways. So, um, yeah, I kind of relate to him in a way. Okay, yeah, no, right. I don't. No, okay, I don't. yeah, you right. You know what I love about that story, too, is that um, he's here he is in a tent, mm -hmm. and he wants to do it himself, which you got to admire. Yeah. And the police put him up in a hotel. Yeah. So it starts, uh, starts with the police. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And then word spreads, and it goes to a good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. And then word spreads, and it goes to the community. That's right. That's how goodness spreads. That's right. You know, and you think, sometimes you think, well, I, I want to do something for somebody. So you look around and, and try to find somebody else mm -hmm. and join their club mm -hmm. and join what they're doing, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you just need to look around and do something all by yourself for someone and not even worry if anybody sees it at all. That's right. Because the Lord has this incredible zapping power. You better say that. That he zaps the goodness mm -hmm. and then it spreads. That's right. It's amazing. Yes, it is. And I, I think this kid... When he does become a doctor, you know, when he finishes all his training and what have you, he's going to go back and he's going to pull somebody else up. I, I just know it. I can just feel it in my heart because this has touched him. It, it's touched me, you know, that there are still people out there who will help somebody that's down on their luck, you know, and not look for anything in return. These people that helped him, they're not looking for anything except for him to be a, a you know, a testimony. A testimony of how a person, if they persevere, if they're diligent, that they can go ahead and, and do what needs to be done. And that's what the good news is all about. Absolutely. You know, you we it's like um, it's like a drop. Mm -hmm. 
And then the flood comes in yes. a great way. Yes. In a very good way. Yes. Have you ever heard of the bl- butterfly effect? I vaguely remember something about the butterfly effect. Well, I'm I'm not smart enough to explain it, but it it's a scientific um, principle. It's, okay. It's actually from science fiction. Ray Bradbury came up with it. Why don't you, well, Dave, you explain it then. So the whole idea that the butterfly effect came from this old book from, uh, I think it was the 50s. Ray Bradbury wrote this book about how in the future, time travels, uh, time travel will be possible. Okay. And people do it for vacation. And in this one particular instance where we come into the story, somebody goes back to dinosaur times and steps on a butterfly. And um, and then in the future, hundreds of millions of years in the future, mm-hmm. everything is different because the one butterfly that was supposed to do something at some point changed wow. the course of history. Okay. Um, the other uh, uh, thing about that is kind of spread to this other thing where um, a butterfly in Japan flaps its wings mm-hmm. and it, it causes such a ripple around the entire world <laughs> that there's a hurricane in Hawaii. Okay. Or, you know what I mean? On the yeah. other side, there's a, that, and that, that's the power of one one little thing, one little tiny thing. One little thing. Andy Andrews, have you heard of him? Yes. He's a yes. speak, and he yeah. does a whole. He wrote a book on this, mm-hmm. and he does a whole speech mm-hmm. about how one decision in uh, somebody's life affected someone years and years later. Mm-hmm. Like for example, um, the decision that my great great grandmother, and this didn't actually happen. I'm just making it up. Mm-hmm. But my great great grandmother mm-hmm. made. Um, to follow God right. and follow Jesus right. affects me. Hmm. Just the one decision can affect decision. so many people. Hmm. And you know, I would I would um, to ask the the radio audience today, what is that one thing that you're doing right now that will inf- affect the entire cycle of not only you but the generations that's coming behind you? What is that right. one thing? that you're doing it it might be a decision it might be a a mindset it might be something that will critically affect the generations that's coming behind you we don't know we don't know even with this election that's coming up right now we don't know the uh, repercussions that are coming from the decisions that we as a people in the United States are making for the president of the United States. We don't know what that, uh, the effect will be, the butterfly effect, if you will. But there will be effects. There will be There's effects. There's always consequences. Wow. And those policemen that took this boy out of a tent and put him in a hotel, that one decision, hey, why don't we do this, yeah. will probably affect that kid's yeah. patience yeah. someday well, who comes to him. What if becomes a doctor and saves that's right. Ten lives, a hundred lives, a That's thousand right. lives. Who knows? That's exactly. right. Exactly. It's amazing. Important. Somebody really important. Who knows? That's right. Or what if that one child, that one young man, comes back and saves the cops, somebody in that cop's family? You never know. Uh, you never know. Oh, you just wrote a movie. Oh, I want to watch that. There you that. go. There you go. <laughs> hey, everyone, we're just glad to be here today. And, and uh, we miss Angie. We miss having Angie here in the studio because she is such a bright, shining light. You know, what would her effect be? What is the one thing that she does and what it is that she does is the good news with Angie Austin and friends. Okay. And that touches and affects lives all over the country, not just the the radio listeners here in Colorado, but we're talking all over the world. And so we're glad to be just a part of that. Hey, Robbie Yopes, how can people get in touch with you to learn more about what you do? RobbieYopes.com. It's I-O-B-S-T. (laughs) I-O-B-S-T. 
And this is Beatrice Bruno, the Drill Sergeant of Life. If you want to get in touch with me, just go to my website, drillsergeantoflife.com. Hey, have a great day, a great moment in time, and create a butterfly effect that you will be pleased to do. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Good news of Jesus for you in high-definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hey, it's Angie Austin. I'm here with my friend Francis Owens with ARC. And Francis, you and I have been friends a long time, and you and I both wanted to do something with our lives, with our careers that made a difference. I love ARC. I've gotten to know so many of the differently abled ambassadors through you. And it's shopping with a purpose. So when we shop there, the money actually goes to help the disabled community locally. And you need donations. We need donations all the time, and we are very, very happy to come pick them up. You can easily call 303-238-238. Jane, which is 303-238-5263. We would love to come pick up anything. All of our sales go to help people with disabilities around the state. We raise funds for advocacy. Love it. And you can also, of course, drop things off, but they'll come and pick things up for free. And again, all the money stays locally to help the disabled community. And I love to shop there because I find great deals. You can find out more info as well at arcthrift.org. Thank you. Perfect. Yay. Let Five Star Talent and Entertainment be your guide to what's going on in the front range. Music on the Patio at the Briarwood Inn will be featuring Andy Hackbarth on August 17th and Kaya Kenna on the 24th. Face will rock out during the Dancing in the Streets concert series at the Streets at South Glen on the 24th and then at Westminster Concert in the Park on the 26th. Then Wash Park will hit the stage at Concerts on the Square at the Orchard Town Center on the 27th. The Lakewood Cultural Center is kicking off the season with a musical benefit for Bessie's Hope during their opening night gala of Together the Musical on Friday the 19th with seven more performances to follow through the 28th. And don't forget to support Terry Fisher as she goes over the edge for the Cancer League of Colorado for the third time at 60 years young on September 8th. Go to 5starax.com or to the 5 Star Facebook page to learn how you can help toward her goal of raising $10,000 in only three years with your generous donations. For more details on these events, check out 5starax.com, the number 5starax.com. Or call Terry Fisher at 303-635-1210. When going to a chiropractor, you may be thinking that they won't be able to help you for the long term. However, Dr. Joe Arve at Maximize Living will change your mind. The moment you meet him, you will find that he is your best friend. He treats you like you are part of his family, and he truly cares about you and your health. He is very knowledgeable about long-term health and wellness. Through the use of spinal correction, he helps you discover what it takes to be a healthier you and will help you feel better even after your first adjustment. He will also share with you the essentials to healthy living so you can take your health back. No matter what stage of life you're in, he will help you develop a plan to achieve the goals you set. Get ready to make a positive change in your life. Give him a call at 303-457-8080. 303-457-8080 or spinegeek.com. Maximize living. Adjustments for life. Welcome back. Angie Austin here. So happy to have you joining us. All right. I've got a wonderful guest for you. She is the author of I Can Laugh Again. Her name is Chloe Taylor Brown, and she is here to uh, share with us her experience. Hi, Chloe. Hey there, Angie. Thanks for having me today. 
All right. So in your memoir, um, I Can Laugh Again, you really open up about your story of a loss, um, but all your also your testimony and a story of hope as well. Yes, I do, Angie. Um, it took me a while to be able to release the story. I don't want to mislead anyone to make them think that I've just gotten, you know, just woke up one day and I can laugh again. It has taken me many years to be able to work through grief and tragedy of the loss of my son, Justin. And it's been over, uh, it, this happened in 1996. He drowned in our pool. I have one other friend that this happened to, and I have to say that I cannot express how beautiful it is to have you share a story of hope when you come from a place that many of us can't imagine being through. I, you know, I lost my brother to murder, but there is nothing like losing a child and losing a child in a circumstance like that that's so close to home per se. So let's uh, talk about what you feel comfortable sharing with us and what you want people to learn from your experience. I want people to really know that after a tragedy, a loss, um, even if you've gone through a long illness with someone that you love and you, you're even expecting it, you're still going to go through this grief and pain. But what I want you to know is that with the work, you've got to work, you can authentically have a beautiful life again and you can laugh again. It's not going to be easy. Uh, for some people, it's, it's, it's a little more challenging. But if you really make the decision that you want to be happy and that you want to laugh, you can do it. Well, you know, your subtitle in I Can Laugh Again, From the Valley of Grief to a Glimpse of Heaven, how did you finally come to the place where you could laugh again and have that experience of glimpsing heaven per se? Well, after several months, not quite a year, I saw the devastation that non-laughter in a home could do to a family. And I have a husband, and fortunately, and praise God that we have been married for all these years and we are still friends. It's very challenging. And like any marriage, you don't have to have a tragedy to be married over 30 years. It's a lot of work. It's easy to get married. It's, it's work to stay married. And it's a miracle to stay married after some things like this happen. But I saw in my home, Angie, that my, my laughter is a kind of laughter that if I'm out in public, it was so vibrant and bold that people would come from other rooms to find out who's <laughs> that woman. And that was gone. And so my prayer was, please, God, just let me laugh again. Yes. And, you know, because I really wanted to and I was willing to do the work, my prayer was answered. But it took a lot of work and it didn't just happen overnight. Okay, let's talk about that work, because I, I love your quote about it's easy to get married, hard to stay married. That takes work. Let's talk about the work to get out of that grief and find your laughter again, because other people may not have lost a child, but we've all experienced grief of some sort. Yes. Well, for me, Angie, I really did have to dig deep within myself to find out who am I now, because so many of us identify with our jobs, our careers, uh, being a mom of three. I was a mom of three. I'm, I'm a mom of four now and once in heaven. But at the time, I had my three children. And I just so identified with those children, you know, as that was just me. And right. then when Justin died, I just 
didn't understand who I was anymore. So I had to relearn myself. And it wasn't the previous self, it was a new self because you're you're not going to be the same no matter how much you want to be, but you can even be better. And so I had to do that work to rediscover myself. And as I was doing that, I found that I was this real big spiritual being. I had gone to church, uh, but that didn't really help me that much, going just going the way that I had gone previously. So I rediscovered my spiritual essence, and that really helped me a lot. And then the people saw a glow about me, and they wanted to know. And the more I share, the better I felt. And so I just got a kick out of sharing. And I remember about, I was still modeling at the time, and I remember going to work about a year and a half after Justin's death, and a young model had lost her brother to a motorcycle accident. And I was really encouraging her, and, and just from my authenticity, and, and um, not knowing, just wanting her to feel better. And I saw her again at another job about a month ago, a month after that, and she said, well, I'm on it, and my mom's on it. And I said, what are you on? And she said, on what you told me. And I just loved it. And that was the beginning of me, my own healing, sharing with people what I had been doing. Yeah, yeah. What, okay, explain. You went to church, and that didn't do it for you. So how did your uh, spiritual life change? What was different about, what did you add besides just going to church? Deep studying and meditating and allowing myself to know that there must be something bigger. I wouldn't say I was an overly religious person. I really wasn't. But I would go, being Catholic, I would go to Mass on Sundays, and my children were going into their religious ed classes. And we were, you know, the, just the good Christian girl kind of thing. But, but after Justin's death, that was just not enough for me. And I I didn't find fulfillment in that. And a lot of people were asking me to visit their church and I didn't understand it. So finally, one of my girlfriends said, um, well, you're just, you need to just let go and be optimistic about doing things differently. So I went to visit a church with her and all the people were really charismatic and they had seemed so free and spiritual. And I really loved that. And the more I went, the more I started studying on my own. And I just, it, it was as though God was revealing things to me in the essence of my spirit. It was more like spirit to spirit. Was it more like a relationship with Jesus in terms of Christianity? Or was it um, something different? More of a relationship and something different. It was, it was all of that. It was a relationship it was me being able to fully engage and understand scripture and put it into my real life. It was me even hearing. Uh, I can't say if I heard it out loud but or if I heard it in my spirit, but I would hear from God. God you know, I'd be in meditation and I would ask questions or in my meditation, I would really hear, you know, <laughs> it's, it seems kind of weird, but um, I would really hear. I never thought I would ever be an author of four books, but I remember being in meditation and praying and asking, you know, what can I do to help um, my husband? And I clearly heard God tell me um, to write. 
And I was looking all around the room, Angie, thinking, what am I hearing things? And what, I was. <laughs> yeah, what should I write? If you're just joining us, I can laugh again from the Valley of Grief to a glimpse of heaven. And this is Chloe Taylor Brown, and it's her memoir. All right, Chloe, I just uh, want to thank you, you know, for sharing such, you know, deep things with us, you know, explaining how you, uh, you know, got deeper into your Christian faith, how you were able to uh, use scripture to help you. And I think you offer hope to so many people. So thank you so much for that. You are very welcome, Angie. All right. Now I want to kind of turn a corner slightly and just offer a little bit more about your testimony. Um uh, you mentioned how your faith got deeper after the loss of your son, and I know you have a radio show, and I know you offer something called the Chloe Experience, so I want to get into all of these things a little bit more. So let's start with, when did you first become a Christian? Well, I was born into Christianity, and, uh, you know, just being with my family, and I remember when I was about 29, I was living in Milan, I was a model, I had the best life. My husband was there. We had our daughter. Um, and I just felt something was missing. Um, and so that was when I started really studying scripture. And I had read the Bible before, but it didn't resonate with me. But when, at that time, it really started to resonate with me. And I couldn't get enough. And I was reading it. I started from the very beginning of Genesis and I read all the way through. I don't know how long it took me. It took me a while. And I remember getting frustrated because I couldn't just read it like a and finish it because I just wanted so much. And I at that point, I started to become very intuitive and present and with a certain knowingness. And mm -hmm. so I would say that on my own, before I turned 30, I, I started to get that deep relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I can relate to that because there've been times where I just you feel like dry, like you you know you're a Christian but you know you haven't done the work to have a relationship that bears fruits in terms of you being able to offer as you mentioned that special something or that glow to the world that they're like, "Wow, Chloe, you went through something so painful and your words of wisdom are helping me." And I love um the idea of letting our light shine brightly to glorify the Lord in heaven. And if we're not involved in that relationship, in that quiet time in the scripture, if we're not reading the Bible, you can say you're Christian all, all you're, you want, and you are Christian, but you're not reaping anything from it, and you're not giving anything to the world from it, because you're just kind of dry if you're not involved in your faith. That reminds me of a, I guess it's in scripture somewhere, I don't know, but it reminds me of the story of the dry bones, and so you're absolutely correct. You don't have very much to give because you're not fluid and dynamic. And, and uh, so you're just there. And I remember during that time when I was getting a lot, I would go to Bible study. And then I started to look around at all the people who had been going for years and years and years. And I wanted to know, why are you still here? Why aren't you out sharing what you know? Uh, and so that takes you to a different level. And, you know, you have to, it's not, when I give my testimony, and I, I, I'm curious if you feel the same way, when I recount painful things from my past, it's not fun. I wouldn't say that I experienced the same pain, but I do it. I give my testimony because I want to thank God for everything he's done for me. And I feel like I want to share the Lord and the miracles he can work in your life with people. But I wouldn't say that it's fun to give like your testimony. How do you feel about that? Well, 
it's, sometimes, an, it's an honor, but it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, you have to. I'm just starting to do this now and open up since I've published this book. And my, I have my mantra, but my motto for this year is that I want to be courageous enough to be vulnerable. And um, I feel that for many years I was afraid to be vulnerable because people expect you to be a certain way. Yes. And um, I was afraid of that. But I've learned in the last couple of years about vulnerability. And just in the last few months, I've been courageous enough to be vulnerable and step up boldly and share my testimony and, and give God the glory. Because I'm telling you, um, I couldn't have done this without my faith and my spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. Of, and, I, and, and it's so amazing to me when I read my own words and I can laugh again, I really admire the young woman that I was to have gone through something so horrific and just such a challenge and be able to move through it with the grace that, that she did, that the woman that I was, because... Yeah. You know, in reading this, I say, wow, I want to be more like that again. Um, because for years, I, could, I wrote this book when God said, right, and I wrote it. But I couldn't even read back through the whole thing without weeping so. And so I would put it away. And then four years later, I pick it up again. And I couldn't do it. And it was just last year, last, from last October to April, a friend walk through it with me twice, word by word. And this is why, you know, he's like an angel that God sent to walk through it with me. I hadn't heard from him since college. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think your story, you know, losing Justin, I understand he was quite young, not quite four, but also just your story of your background and, you know, humble beginning and then becoming, you know, a, a model, as you mentioned, that, you know, internationally you traveled for your work and a radio host now, an author. So um, quite a beautiful testimony in terms of what God has done with your life. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, what is the Chloe experience? Uh, what is the Chloe Taylor Brown experience? Well, it is everything that I have learned from my modeling career, from traveling, from meeting people from all walks of life, going through the tragedy, pulling myself through that, being counseled, and going to seek coaching, that it's all of that combined. And when I wanted to reinvent myself after my modeling career, it started out with Getting Ready Chloe Style and Perfecting Your Authentic Image. That was the first book that I wrote. And I was doing professional presence. But there was still something missing. And what was missing is coaching. We all need coaching at times in our lives. And so... Mm -hmm. Someone introduced me to a very dynamic, powerful man who was a coach. And I worked with him for over a year. And then he invited me to uh, come to meet with him and a group of people from all over the world. And I was so in awe and so amazed at how the words and the work that he was teaching me, how I could put it into my life and it was really working. And he took notice of that. And he says, you're doing so wonderful and you're making things work. I want you to share with other people. And I was very reluctant, Angie. I was like, no, I have my life game. I'm playing it. I don't need to go off and share what I, he says, if you don't share this, you're going to be one of the most selfish women 
I've ever met. And I, and I still didn't want to do it. And then a few months after that, I was meditating and I, and I heard from my higher self, God, uh, to be bold and to share this coaching. And so I thought, well, wow, that must be what that crazy man was trying to tell me too. And so when you know that, you know, that, you know, you can't deny it. Yeah. So what I did was I combined everything that I know from my own, what I was doing with professional presence and a lot of the things that I got from the coaching that the coach shared with me. And I wrapped it around my own authenticity and my gifts. And that's the Chloe experience. And Angie, by the way, um, I had a coaching session scheduled with a gentleman at the Home Depot, a corporate executive, and I'm supposed to be there now, but they're allowing me to miss that session to work with me on the phone. So I work with the corporate executives, young women and girls. And, you know, I just love what I do. And it was all created from my authenticity. Well, you love what you do, but you were also open to God healing you enough so that you could help others heal as well. And I think that is so beautiful. You've got your radio show, the modeling career, author, coaching. And uh, I think that your story of resilience is very inspirational and a true testament to you know how the Lord can heal your heart. I can laugh again from the valley of grief to, grief to a glimpse of heaven. Again, I can laugh again from the valley of grief to a glimpse of heaven. Chloe Taylor Brown, do you have a website you can send us to, Chloe? Yes, I do. That is thechloeexperience.com. And experience does not have an E. It's just an X. Thechloeexperience.com. Love it. Thank you, Chloe. God bless you. Thank you so much, Angie. Let Five Star Talent and Entertainment be your guide to what's going on in the front range. Music on the Patio at the Briarwood Inn will be featuring Andy Hackbarth on August 17th and Kaya Kenna on the 24th. Face will rock out during the Dancing in the Streets concert series at the Streets at South Glen on the 24th and then at Westminster Concert in the Park on the 26th. Then Wash Park will hit the stage at Concerts on the Square at the Orchard Town Center on the 27th. The Lakewood Cultural Center is kicking off the season with a musical benefit for Bessie's Hope during their opening night gala of Together the Musical on Friday the 19th with seven more performances to follow through the 28th. And don't forget to support Terry Fisher as she goes over the edge for the Cancer League of Colorado for the third time at 60 Years Young on September 8th. Go to 5StarAxe.com or to the 5 Star Facebook page to learn how you can help toward her goal of raising $10,000 in only three years with your generous donations. For more details on these events, check out 5StarAxe.com, the number 5StarAxe.com. Or call Terry Fisher at 303-635-1210. Your next shopping trip could change the lives of some very special people right here in Colorado. When you shop at ARC Thrift Stores, you'll not only save money, but you'll also give back to our community by helping people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, just like these ARC ambassadors. A lot of people, they have misconceptions about people with disabilities. A lot of them think that we can't do things that other people can do, and that's just not true. We can do what other people can do. It may take us a little bit more time to do it, but we can. We're just like any other human being. We have feelings and we have emotions, and if given the chance, we can shine. And I think that ARC has done a very good job at showing that. I like it there, and it helps me out to learn about reading off the labels and stuff. I like helping out different people, a lot of different people I help out. Find the ARC store near you at arcthrift.org. It's nonprofit, and it's a great company to work for and a great place to shop. And remember, every Saturday, you get 50% off most items in the store. 
Hey, it's Angie Austin. Do you want to lose weight, have more energy, sleep better, just feel better, live longer, not get sick? Yeah, me too. So a little over a year ago, my family started working with Dr. Joe, and he has helped us so much, especially with my mom. She's now walking again. Uh, She uses a cane, but she wears a pedometer as well, Dr. Joe. And every Saturday, you offer for all of us. We can come to your office, have a free workout, or just watch the workout and come and ask you questions and meet you. It costs them nothing, no obligation. I just want people to get to know you and your passion for health. Science says the key to sleeping better, the key to depression, the key to losing weight and balancing hormones is exercise. But not a lot of it, just 6 to 12 minutes a day. And so whether I'm working with Olympic athletes or professional athletes or mommies and daddies, people in their 50s, 60s, even 70s, on these workouts on Saturday at 8.30, man, we have a great time. And it literally is a 12-minute workout. It's all it is. And it's easy stuff to do. You work at your own pace and you get amazing results. Yes, yeah, so come to North Glen. Saturdays, it's free. How do they reach you, Dr. Joe? Call my cell phone, 303-349-6011. Again, 303-349-6011. The summer fun continues in the majestic mountains at YMC of the Rockies in Estes Park and Snow Mountain Ranch. Some time away is just what you need to relax and rejuvenate. Both locations offer so many activities, it's difficult to list them all. From guided hikes and archery to campfires and climbing wall, there's something for everyone at YMCA of the Rockies. This summer is still on your mind, but it's never too early to start planning your family reunion for next year. For more information and to plan your visit, go to ymcarockies.org. Would you like to look younger? Maybe you've got a little double chin you just think you just can't get rid of, or a part of your body that you work out and work out, but it just won't go away in terms of that maybe little stomach, etc. Dr. Alexis Parker with Laser is joining us. She is based out of Denver, but people come from all over to work with her because she's an artiste as well. Hello, Dr. Parker. Hello. Good morning. All right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, cool sculpting, because this is a way now that you can get rid of a double chin. This is new, and there's apparently not much discomfort, and you can do it on your lunch hour and it gets rid of fat? Yes. Cool sculpting has been um, FDA cleared since 2010. We've been doing it since that time. And we now can truly sculpt the torso. We can sculpt from head to toe because we can treat the chin, get rid of that genetic double chin, and we can get rid of back and and fat on the abdomen. And then we can work our way down to the thighs. So cool sculpting now covers almost the entire body. I've seen your before and after pictures and you've completely re sculpted your midsection. You're very trim anyway, but you didn't have a waist before? No, I, I, I didn't. So I gave myself more of a waistline and a little more curve, you know, that I did not have genetically. Yeah, yeah, it looks great. I mean, I absolutely was impressed by uh, your photographs. Now, um, you say that these new pieces reduce the discomfort. I have to be honest with you, and I didn't really think it was a big deal, and I didn't think it was uncomfortable. I watched a movie, I didn't think it was a big deal, but I understand some people did think it was uncomfortable, and so now uh, the discomfort has been greatly reduced. Yes, it has. The the extra large hand piece in in the past caused some discomfort for some patients, I would say less than 10%. Yeah, I didn't but, think it hurt you know, at all. We like things to be as go as smoothly and be as comfortable as possible. But the new cool advantage applicators draw in more fat and actually so they treat a, a wider area and they're much more comfortable and ah. we think they're much more effective. Now you mentioned to me once that you'd had a, a, a patient come in that had liposuction quite a bit but was very lumpy and you actually with with cool sculpting were able to really smooth out that patient and make her look good enough that she wasn't self-conscious 
just, you know, wearing a swimsuit or shorts because no one wants to be lumpy. Right. We got rid of uh, most of the, uh, in fact, all of her lumps um, and all of the irregularities. And she, even though she did a lot of cool sculpting, it was still much less than the quote to undergo surgery a second time. Mm -hmm. And she didn't want to risk surgery again. The nice thing about cool sculpting is there's no surgery, no dieting, no downtime, no anesthesia, and the fat is gone for good. Now, it freezes the fat. Like, how does it work? It freezes the fat cell, so it's chilly on you. But again, I didn't think it was uncomfortable. I had a blanket on me. Um, and then it somehow, then your body gets rid of those fat cells? Yes, the um, the fat cells when fat cells are more sensitive to cooling than skin. So when we draw skin and or lie an applicator over skin and fat, the fat is more sensitive, so the fat cells will be damaged. About 25% of the fat cells in the treated area will be damaged, and the body sees them as bad cells. So the body just carries them away through a natural process. Um, we make bad cells all the time, and cool skin our body recognizes these bad cells. So cool sculpting takes advantage of that natural occurrence in the human body. And then in terms of what people generally come to you for, I'm sure people are now coming to you for double chins, but I'm assuming that that little bit of stomach that's hard to get away, the paunchy part of the stomach, is that the number one thing that women come to you to get removed or something else? I would say the stomach is number one and next would be back fat. You know, a lot of women have a little baby belly, even if they're thin um, after they've had children or just the natural process of hormonal change in your 40s can cause more fat around the around the middle. And it's that kind of sculpting that we that we like to do. We also can remove fat on people who are a little bit overweight because they still have bulges. And if and when they lose weight, those bulges will still be there. So it's really all about making a smooth, curvy contour for a woman or getting as close to a V-shape as you can for a man. Wonderful. Well, you have a lot of girls night uh, nights out uh, that I attend as well. And uh, you have, you know, food and uh, beverages. It's free, very in, uh, informative. There's one tonight. How do people get in touch with you? Oh, they can call our office at 303 782 5082 and and give us a call. We do our girls night out starts at 5:30 tonight. We will be talking about fillers tonight, but if anyone has questions or just wants to come and make themselves familiar to us, we are, everyone's welcome. It's not just for right. patients. We'd love to see you here. All it's right. a chance for us to meet new people. Wonderful. And I'll be there as well. 303-782-5082. Uh, Dr. Alexis Parker. Uh, feel free to email me if you have questions. News at gmail.com. Thanks, Dr. Parker. Thank you, Angie, and have a great day. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com.